Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. I want you to pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open my eyes, open my ears, to hear what your Spirit is saying to me today, and help that preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. You may be seated. Awesome. Well, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit today um, about the essence of Christianity. Um, there's a lot of, if, if you're online listening to sermons, because we have, uh, there's, there's so many va- uh, available messages online and different views of the scripture uh, or interpretation of the scripture, uh, there's, there's sense, there seems to be a bit of a confusion with people about the essence of Christianity. And I just wanted to take a few minutes to talk to you from my heart about what I feel it is and, um, and why sometimes we struggle um, in our lives and in our walks. So I want to start in Philippians chapter 2. Um, verse 1, we're going to read through it. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation uh, because it's easier to understand, so we're going to go from there. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? And so Paul is asking these questions and because uh, he wants people, he wants the Christians to soul search. How many know it's important to look within to see you know, if you're fulfilling these things. He's asking these questions. He says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. God's desire is for the church to be able to work together with one mind and one purpose. Amen? Uh, there, there's nothing in the church, in God's body, that is, is, uh, represents a one-man show. God has called us. We need one another. How many know we need one another? And without one another, uh, we can't fulfill, we can't be the family that God... See, God has called you into a family. You can't be a family by yourself, right? And Paul says, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together with the believers as many have done. Because what happens is you, you negate the purpose of God, which is to build relationships. Amen? And so he says here, verse 3, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress other people. But be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself, all right? True humility isn't saying, you know, oh, woe is me and I'm not worthy. That's false humility. True humility is saying, I'm worthy, I'm a child of God, God loves me, but you know what? You're special too, amen? And it's recognizing that we all have equal value in the eyes of God, all right? And it says here, don't look out for your own interest, but take an interest in others as well. You must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus had. And this is in verse 6. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being. And when he appeared in the human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on the cross. All right? So the attitude of Christ, I'm going to break it up in, in three, three areas. Number one, say number one, he didn't look for recognition uh, as he, with equality with God as something to be grasped. He wasn't grasping uh, for status. How many see that? 
Jesus, uh, you read through the Gospels, Jesus wasn't talking, well, I'm the Son of God, and I have, you know, I'm, he didn't talk about himself, he talked about the Father, amen? And so he had this heart, he didn't try to, ex- he didn't try to exalt himself, and he didn't look at, at, at recognition as something that to be grasped for. And, and in this world system, uh, it's all about grasping for uh, recognition. You need to make something out of your life. You need to climb the corporate ladder. None of those things are wrong, but that becomes the goal, and Jesus didn't make that the goal. He says, as Christians, we have to become servants. We have to become slaves. And what God does is then he exalts us, and the world goes, man, I've been working for that, and you just get it. How, how many see what I'm saying? Because we're doing things God's way, all right? So he didn't look for recognition as something to be grasped for. Number two, say number two, he became a slave. In other words, a slave has no rights. A slave isn't look, has no respect. He just came and he served mankind. He came and served. Like if you think of it, the God of the universe came and just served, not looking for recognition. And then number three, he humbled himself uh, in obedience to God to the death of the cross. Okay? He laid down his life on the cross. Now, you guys know in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying to God, and he was sweating great, like, tears of blood because his, he was so stressed out because he's about to give his life. And he's like, God, if there be another way, please, can you find another? I don't want to go through this horrific pain. I don't want to be separated from you. But not my will be done, but your will, Father. All right? And so his will was saying, I don't really want to do this, but the Father's will is saying, listen, this is the purpose you came for, to die for the sins of all the people I love on this, this planet. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And Jesus is like, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And, he, and then from that point on, he went to the cross. How many see that in, your, in the Bible? All right. Now, I want to talk about what the cross symbolizes. Okay. Because Jesus tells us that we're to, we're to carry our cross, doesn't he? I'll read it to you so you can see it in Matthew. Matthew chapter 16. We'll bring it up on the screen. It says, And Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone, are you an anyone? Who hears an anyone? Okay, we're, that includes us. Uh, desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, I want, I want to tell you, I want to try to explain to you what the cross is. Because I hear people think of, okay, when you hear of the cross, you think of a suffering, right? How many would think of suffering when you hear the word cross? And so a lot of people, they, I, I hear this even as a, as a counselor, as a pastor, talking to people, and they say stuff like, none, none of you here, of course, but will come to me and say, well, you know, my wife is my cross that I must bear. I married the wrong person. Uh, you know, it, I'm suffering for Jesus, but I'm going to go through it. Hold on a second. Your wife is not your, is not your cross. <laughs> your husband is not your cross, okay? Uh, all right? And then I hear people come and say, well, I, I, I'm working at this job, and I hate it. And it's like I'm the, I'm the lowest place in the company, and people treat me bad. It's my cross to bear. It's not your cross. It's a bad job. <laughs> Get a new job, really. All right? Um, or I hear people come and they, talk, they, they have illness in their, in their body that they're believing God for healing, and they say, it's my cross to bear. I, I've heard that as well. Sickness is not 
you're crossed, all right? Or you're going through a trial or a tribulation. You're going through a valley. Uh, someone close to you has passed away, and you're going through a real dark time. You say, this is my cross to bear. This is not your cross, all right? What the cross is, the cross is when your will crosses paths with God's will. And you come to a crossroads, and you have to make a decision. Am I going to obey what I want to do, or am I going to obey God? That's the cross. And we face it all the time. And the more we obey God, the better it is for us, which we're going to get into in just a few minutes. Your cross is your will crossing path with God's will. It could be choosing a spouse. Okay? And I'll say it this way. I had a situation, a few situations where people come and talk to me as a pastor and say, I really want to marry this girl, or I really want to marry this guy. And I'm like, okay, how's their spiritual life? Well, they're not interested in God. You know, they're not interested, but I'm going to convert them. And I'm like, uh, how do you feel? I, I've, no, I really feel it's a good idea. I really want this. But, the more, but they, they know there's a red light on the inside going, stop, don't go there. But because they want it so bad, they go into that situation, and six months later, two years later, they have a divorce, right? And so God was saying, that's not the right one, that's not the right one, that's not the right one. But I really want to be with that person. He's cute. He's got dimples. Whatever, right? He smiles at me. No other guy smiles. I'm getting older. I'm getting too old. No one else is going to come along. I better grab this while I can. But there's red lights going off. And you know that you know that you know that you're not to go with that person. You know, when I was 18 years old, um, I dated this girl a couple times. And I wasn't in a place where I was serving God either. But my parents were praying parents. Amen? Praying parents. So God will still talk to your kids if they're not serving you or serving God if the parents are praying. So I dated this girl a couple times for a bit. And uh, then we, we broke up because I felt it wasn't meant to be. Six months later, all my friends had a girlfriend. I'm like, I'm going to ask her back out. And I heard a voice inside. It was almost audible. It was like this, don't do it. It was, it was so loud. I was like, wow, did I, did I hear someone speak? And it was like everything in me said, don't do it. And I did it anywhere. I was with that person for two years and had to go through 10 years of emotional trauma after that because it was a damaging relationship. I should have listened to God's will because if his will sounds to you like he's trying to control you, really he sees the end from the beginning and he's trying to get you to the place he wants to get you. And so you have to come to a cross and die to your desires trusting that God's will is better. He has a better plan. He knows your future. How many, how many hear what I'm saying this morning? Choosing a career might be an area where you're praying. You feel, I'm going to go in this direction, but there's a red light going off on the inside. And you're like, I don't have peace about this. You pray about it. You still don't have peace. And then you go in that direction, finding out that you waste time. Amen? The other area of the cross is choosing to fulfill the desires of the flesh over obeying God. How many know what the desires of the flesh are? Right? It's all the stuff we deal with before we're Christians. But I want to give you two keys on how you deal with that. Okay, all the sin issues, okay? Concerning sin issues, there's two keys. And we're going to start in Romans chapter 13, verse 11 to 13. You guys okay? Yeah. All right, let's go there. <clears throat> is that the right verse? Let me just see here. Romans 13, verse 11, yeah. This is the more urgent for you 
Know how late it is. Paul is talking. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on shining armor of right living. So we're supposed to put off dirty deeds. Say, put them off. It's our responsibility. Look what he says. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. And then he says, don't participate in the darkness of wild parties, drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, immoral living, or quarreling and jealousy. And the church is very good at telling people what not to do, aren't we? But Paul says, he says something in the next verse that's very important. Say, there's got to be a great exchange. He wants you to exchange this lifestyle for another lifestyle. And here it is, what he says here, very important. Instead, say instead. Clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Make no provision for the flesh, is what it says. All right? Say, I've got to clothe myself with the presence of Jesus. And you know how you do that? Bring up the next verse in Isaiah here. This is it. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings as eagles. They will run and not... Be weary, they will walk and not faint. And actually that, in the proper translation of the King James, is those that wait on the Lord. Do you know what wait means? It, it actually means to wait. Like literally. Like we don't know how to do that anymore. It's like I'm not waiting for anything. I go through McDonald's drive-thru and, and if they take too long, I become a heathen pretty quick, right? So we don't know how to wait, right? That's why I don't have any Christian bumper stickers on my car. Bad idea, take them off. Anyway, so, so wait means to wait. But we live in a culture and society where our mind is constantly going. Text, computer, phone calls, you know, Instagram. And we're thinking, thinking, moving. Our brain never shuts down. And so when you wait on the Lord, you come to a place where you still your soul. And when you wait, you move from the mind to the heart. Amen? Amen? And unfortunately, we live in a society uh, where we don't learn to sh just shut down our thinking and let our hearts connect with God. Yeah. And, and this, is why, this is why we have worship. It's not just to sing, right? We have a sing-along. Um, it's because when we're singing to God and we're singing love songs to God, uh, we shut down our head and we let God begin to minister to our hearts. And waiting on the Lord can be something as simple as just sitting and meditating on a scripture, talking to the Lord, singing a song, and letting God go from here to the heart. Right? And this is the key to overcoming sin in your life, is you exchange all of these desires for the flesh to spend time in the presence of God. And when the Holy Spirit starts showing up in his presence, it's so much better. You don't want the other stuff. How many hear what I'm saying? How many know Billy Graham? A couple of you heard of Billy Graham before? He was asked in an interview, say, hey, Billy, if you could go back to your younger self as a minister and give yourself some advice, okay, what would that advice be? He said, I'd go back to my younger self as a minister and say, book less meetings and spend more time in my presence. I would book less meetings Spend more time in the presence of Jesus, telling him how much I love him. Wow. That's what he said. 
And, you know, even as, as a pastor, I can get so busy preparing scriptures and teaching that I forget to just shut off the brain and say, God, I love you. I worship you. And so that's how we put on Christ. Right? And if you're not a believer yet or this seems strange, it becomes very normal. And this is the process of coming to a place of just connecting, like a meditative state, if you want to say that, connecting with Jesus, connecting with the heart of God, bypassing the mind. God is calling us to be a people who would put on the presence of Jesus. Put on the presence of Jesus. Instead of doing that, put on the presence. What a lot of people do is say, I can't do this, I can't do that. I'm going to go to church, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to do my devotions, God, I need to do that, I need to do that, I need to do that. But they never put on the presence of Jesus so they can't overcome their struggles. And if you're not a singer, you don't understand worship, you can sit quietly and just pray and say, God, Another way to put on the presence of Jesus is talk to God as if uh, you're willing to tell him anything like you would a best friend. Just say, hey, I'm going through a real hard time, and your Bible says love your enemy. I don't want to kill my neighbor. I just want to hit him over the head. <laughs> would you take those feelings away? Would you come and visit me? Can you and can you start talking to God like he's real instead of having these religious prayers, you know, that you've been given, you know, just praying religious mantras? Talk to God like he's your friend, because he lives in you by the Spirit of God. And when you start being real with God, when you start talking to God and say, you know, God, I really struggle with pornography. I really struggle with lust. And I, you know what? I really, I don't know what to do with this. Would you please come and deliver me? Would you please come and help me? Would you give me an accountability partner? Would you show me who to talk to about this? God will come and he'll, he'll hit you. He'll minister to you. He'll come. Why? Because you're, you're putting on Christ. You're putting on the presence of Jesus. Amen? And many times we want more teaching. We want, give me more teaching. I need to go deeper in the scripture. But you, sometimes you don't need to go deeper in the scripture. You need to go deeper in the presence of the Lord. Amen? And his word and his spirit agree. It's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. Yeah, it's all about relationships. And, and following Jesus isn't, you know, I hear people say, well, people that follow Jesus, like, uh, it's like he becomes their crutch. The reality is to follow Christ, you have to have a backbone. You have to really be willing to stand against the grain and say, you know, I know society might agree about this stuff and this or, but I'm going to follow Jesus. And you have to be persecuted, right? So we need to put on Christ. We need the presence. It has to be about relationship with God. Amen? Worship team, you can come down. I'm going to leave you there. All right? Can I go a couple more minutes? You guys okay? Can we do that? Just a couple more minutes? Because I want to get this whole, the cross thing figured out here. and make a little bit of a shift. Um, because Jesus said stuff sometimes that turned people away. And people didn't understand why he said it. Right? Luke chapter 14, look what Jesus did. Verse 25 to 28. A large crowd was following Jesus. A large crowd was following Jesus. And Jesus' purpose was to come fulfill prophecy that he was the Messiah, raise up 12 leaders to carry on the mission of the church, to basically duplicate himself into that, those 12 men, and then he was going to die on the cross for the sins of the world. But he had a little bit of a problem. He had like everybody following him, so many people 
following him, he couldn't fulfill his mission. So a large crowd was following him. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciples, you must, by comparison, hate every, everyone else, your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. And then he says in verse 28, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? In other words, what Jesus is saying, he's using strong language. How many know Jesus is love your enemies? Love those who do. So he doesn't want you to hate your relatives. But in comparison to your love for God, when you come to an altar or make a decision to follow Christ and you go home and your mother, your grandmother, your, your brother say, you're crazy. I, I wouldn't follow Jesus. I would. That's a book written by man. I wouldn't. I wouldn't follow this. You, you know, you're missing the mark. And, and if you say, okay, I, I, I've had this happen. People come back and say, had a powerful experience, received Jesus, and a week later come back and say, it's not for me. You can't be his disciple. You have to have a backbone. Say, I love you, mom. I love you, dad. I love you, fam. But I've made a decision. I've counted the cost. This is a, this is a life that's going to cost me something, but it's going to be the most rewarding life. I'm going to be filled with joy, peace, and in and, and, and the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to have a life of fulfillment. I'm going to fulfill the desires that God has for me. And I'm going to do great things. But I, can't, I know you believe differently, but I'm following Jesus. And we don't tell people anymore that it's going to cost you something. You have to count the costs. And your family might oppose you, but you need to count the costs. Can I share one story about where my will came in? Yeah. A total, God came and told me to do something I didn't want to do. Can I share yeah. a story with you? Um, when I was in a Christian school, I was in probably grade nine, grade eight. I was just kind of hanging out with the troublemakers that was not interested in, in, in too much uh, God, God, God wise. But my parents were praying for me. How many know God has a calling? God had a calling on me to be a preacher, but I wasn't even interested. So the teacher said to me, uh, in this Christian school, they would have chapel every Friday. And so the students, I think it was grade nine, each student had to take a turn and do a little sermon. So it was my turn. Like, I, I don't know what to do. So I opened my, my Bible and I pulled some scriptures together. And I got up to preach, and I got up and I just shared this. It was, I, it was, I still remember, it was like, it was the checkerboard sermon. And the, the red checkers was the blood-bought saints, and the black checkers were people that didn't know God, and how God was, there was this battle, and all this. And I got up and I preached a sermon, and everyone sat there with their, their jaw dropped. Because the presence of God moved, and people came up, and they're like, I think you're called to be a preacher. I think you're called to deliver the word of God. And I'm like, whatever, right, whatever. Uh, and then I went my own way and, of course, decided to be a machinist, go to school to be a machinist. And God got a hold of my heart and I got saved in that process. I was almost done. It was the last couple weeks of my machining school. I was in college. George Brown's, I think it was George Brown. College, about to finish it all up. And God spoke to me. He's calling me to the ministry. And so I wanted to do what Elisha did. I said, I'm going to burn, I'm going to, I'm going to burn all my bridges. So I, I didn't get my, I walked out of my class. And I signed up for Bible college and went right into Bible college. Amen? And so then I went to Bible college for four or five, six years after that. After I went through Bible school, I was working with David Youngren, and I, was, I did kids' ministry. I ran the kids' ministry. I did the youth pastoring. 
I was an elder. I did um, an elder. I was 20, 25 years old. Um, he's a young, young, I think I look young now. You should have seen me when I was 20. Um, but I did all these things. I was just serving. How can I serve? How can I serve? How can I serve? And then God spoke. We were to come to Trenton and plant this church and help Pastor Jacques and Sharon. Some, some of you were here. Remember that? And we came. My wife and I helped Pastor Jacques and Sharon for two years. And then we felt a call to go to Kingston. So we went to plant a church in Kingston. And for two years, I poured my heart and soul. I took a pay cuts. I couldn't find work. And I was just, I had a few families supporting me. And we were just, we were struggling financially. We were just trying to plow through two years of getting to know people, trying to connect. And we had like maybe 20 people coming, just a small congregation. And right at the two-year mark where people were starting to trust us and the church was about to start growing and things were going to happen, I'm saying, Lord, I want you to tell me what your will is. And I've worked so hard to do this. And so I, I, I go to this meeting, Camilla remembers that, and I, was, I, I put my hands up to worship and I shut my eyes and I could see my friend's face, Cameron, who's preaching next Sunday, by the way, came in my eyes and I'm like, God, I don't want to see Cameron. I love him. He's a good friend. I, every time I shut my eyes to worship, I'm seeing Cameron's face. Why? And the Lord said, and I had known this. He spoke to me about he was coming to Kingston with his wife to start a church. And the Lord said, I want you to step down as a lead pastor. And I want you to be as um, Aaron was to Moses. I want you to hold up his hands. I want you to support him. And I want you to serve him with no title. Just support him. And I said, get behind me, Satan, get behind me, Satan. God would never do this. He would never speak to me to do this. This is not happening. God knows I put two years. He told me to come here. I put two years. In. And I'm sorry, no one's ever argued with God. But we prayed about it. I talked with my wife about it. And um, I got tired of seeing his face and all that stuff. So I said, okay, yes, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And the moment I did that, God began open up doors. I got into a program for by the government for businesses. There's thousands of people applying, or at least hundreds of people applying. They only had positions for 13, 15 people. I got approved. I've got I got this money, bursary money coming in to help me start my company. I got all the training. And within the first month of opening my company, I made more than I did, doubled, sometimes even tripled my income when I was working somewhere else. It's awesome. God began to give me favor. And then I went from being a lead pastor to running Sunday school, to being an usher, right? Just doing simple things in the church, serving in any capacity I could. And the grace of the Lord came upon our lives. Remember, Camilla? And it was like the presence of God began to fill us because we were in obedience to God. And I had the privilege of helping him birth that church, and I didn't have to do the work. It's awesome. He did the work, and I just got to serve him. And it was awesome. And the grace of God was there. But five years later, God spoke to us about coming back here. And it was time to transition back to this church. And we said, yes, Lord, we came. Um, but the favor began to flow. The favor began to flow. When, when you're obedient to God, the favor begins to flow. Say, the favor begins to flow. All right. So going back to our original passage. Let this attitude be in you. Jesus did not look for recognition to be equal with God. Number two, he became a slave. No rights, no respect. Number three, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. Therefore, say therefore. Therefore. 
That's why therefore is therefore, because of what Jesus did. God elevated him. See, when you obey God, God will elevate you. You won't have to do it yourself, right? Uh, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above every name that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow in heaven on earth, under the earth, and every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. But the reason why God could elevate him was because he humbled himself to the point of death. He said, it's not about me. It's not about my ministry. It's not about my calling. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to learn how to get in the presence of Jesus, and God will take care of the rest. And that's how it works, guys. I'm telling you. And so it says here, okay, all God's, it says here in my notes, all God's promises come through the cross in our life. And if you try to attain them without the cross, if you just want to use positive confession or study alone, studying the word alone, you're, you're trying to bypass the cross and it's an illegal. It's illegal to try, you just can't, you can't get it. You can get a form of peace, you can get a, but the cross brings you into resurrection power. If Jesus never died, he would never have been risen. If we don't die to our will, God cannot put the, 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 the spirit of the Holy, the Holy Ghost through us, the resurrection power. Amen? Amen. Amen. Last verse, and then we're going to close. James chapter 1, verse 22, 25. Don't just listen to God's words. You must do what he says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully, say carefully, carefully. into the perfect law that sets you free. Amen. Yes. The, the devil will want to get you out of this book because it will set you free. Look what he says. And if you do what it says and you don't forget what you heard, then, say then, Amen. God will bless you for doing it. Yes. Amen. I had a dream just last week. It was a vivid dream. It was amazing. I was sitting out. In, we were, it was an OBF of ministers conference. We, it was outdoors for some reason. We're all sitting in our little lawn chairs. Probably a thousand people there. And this guy got up, this old guy, and he began to preach a message. And it was an awesome message. But it, I, I only got the first five minutes because my wife got up and said, there's too many mosquitoes. And she did this. And she's like, let's get out of here. And then I woke up and I was like, mosquitoes, right? And so, honey, you ruined it. You ruined the message. I'm just kidding. You didn't read. Anyway, but in the message, it was really awesome because this guy came up. He went to a few people in front of me. And he said, I can lay hands on you and I can put the anointing on you. I can release the gift of the spirit upon you. But you have to take the wheel. You have to drive. And see, the problem, what God dropped in my spirit, the problem is many people say stuff like, I'm in the passenger seat and God has the wheel. No, 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 no. That's not biblical. You have the wheel. God says, you put off. You put on. What God is, is God directs us. God leads us. God guides us. He's the GPS. He says, I want you to go here. I want you to go there. But you are having to drive. Don't sit down and go for a ride. Start to drive. Have a vision. Say, this is where I'm going with my family. And I'm going to make decisions. I'm going to do this in my life. I'm going to, do that. I'm going to take my family here. I'm going to take my life here. I'm going to go here as God leads me. Don't sit and be a passenger in someone else's church. Don't sit and be a passenger under someone else's anointing. Begin to grab the wheel for your own life. and Say, Lord, I'm listening. I'm hearing. And I'm obeying. Amen? Amen? All right, let's stand. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Yeah. Thank you so much. I wanted to share before we go into this. Um, 
at that time when Travis was telling us when we were in Kingston, it was so vivid to me, and it was a struggle. It was a struggle for us. It was a struggle for me because God visited me in dreams, and I remember he was talking about death, burial, and resurrection, and the scripture he shared was, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it will remain alone, and it will not produce hundredfold. And I think that's what we, we, we were, I remember Travis said when we were doing that little church plan, there's no, if there's no fruit, I want to close it down. And it was like God was saying, you know, sometimes we have things in our heart, desires and things like that, but sometimes it's for you to sow it and lay it down so that God can do a bigger work. And I mean, and then it was cool, we went to a service with somebody else and they were sharing exactly that scripture in that time. And I just was, I just wanted to share that scripture, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if you let it die, if you let what you want to do, sometimes you might think, but God, I thought you had put that dream in my heart. I thought that's what, you know, and, and it probably is from God. But if you dare to be obedient and let it die, like in your way, then God can produce a hundredfold in his way and in his time. So I just want to encourage you that, you know, be obedient. The other thing is where I shut that, when I obeyed God and said, I'm going to come serve my friend, um, Within the next four or five months, I had been asked and had gone and preached at most of the big churches in Kingston on uh, evangelism because I was asked to head up evangelism for the, the YWAM situation that was going on at the time. But see, God opened up doors for me. And if I wouldn't have obeyed him, what happened was I started preaching. For some reason, I think I, I don't think I'm a good speaker. But I had people coming to me all the time say, hey, where's your church? I'm like, uh, I just shut it down. Oh, too bad. We were going to start coming to your church. I had lots of people coming. And what I would have done is it would have taken people out of their destiny. So see, God has a plan. We don't know the end from the beginning. How many know what I'm saying? And so we need to trust him. When he speaks and says, don't, don't marry that person. I don't know why I'm hitting on this, but you have to listen. you got to be led by the peace of God. you got to say, God, I'm going to trust you. you got something better for me down the road. And we trust. Father, I thank you, God, for your word. Holy Spirit, I know you're speaking to every one of our hearts, including mine today, God. Your word is so powerful, living, sharper than any two-edged sword. And we submit to your word, for you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.